0: Hello everyone, my name is David Edgar, I'm the host of Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast and welcome to a special winter break Q&A edition. Now with no football, or real football, no Rangers anyway, till next week, we thought we'd ask the people on the chief executive tier of our Patreon to submit some questions and have a jolly good hour chewing the fat going through them. And joining me today is the leader of the Dork Army, the king of the tactics spods himself, Mr Adam Thornton. Adam, how are you? Just a week to go till we get Rangers back.
1: Hello, I'm um, very, very good. Thank you, and yes, very much looking forward to uh, Rangers coming back. It has been been quite a good break. I think um, I, I've enjoyed it. I would have liked Petardry and and Parkhead where they were. Thank you very much. But um, the break itself has has been good. Good to get a bit of a uh, bit of downtime, and I'm looking forward to getting back into it.
0: Now, we probably won't get through all the questions that have submitted, folks. So If yours misses out, it's a 1st come 1st serve basis is the way we're doing it on. But um, we thank you anyway. We will try and get as many done as possible. And we'll kick off with one from Grant Sneddon who says, Do you think there is a need for both Doeke and Suter if we are successful in our pursuits of both? Uh, I think it depends who goes out. Um, it looks like Gold- Goldson will
1: be going now. It would be a pretty big turnaround now if, if he, he changed his mind. Balligan will be 34 in the summer, has had uh, or can't be can't be relied upon to, to be fit, I think more than two games in a row, I think he said that himself, he needs to manage himself, so if, if those two are going out, I'm not as big a, a, a John Suter fan as the entire Rangers support seems to be I just I think he's fine, I don't think he's threatening the starting 11 I've seen people say he could replace Hellander I've seen people say he could be an English Premier League defender, I think he's just okay he's played half a season at Hearts. I think people are, are getting a little bit ahead of themselves based on uh, not a huge amount. So for me he's coming in as a backup to start with. If he improves on that, absolutely fine. Dwecky I think looks to be a bit more of a a higher calibre. test captain, etc. Uh, 23, so a great age to come in. He could be a Goldson replacement but um, both of them coming in to replace Goldson and Balogun, I think it's probably still a wee bit of a decrease overall. Um, You'd hope that Hellander stays uh as well and kind of talks those two through it i think we need those three um uh, in addition to obviously Bassi and king
0: yeah there's a couple of things about this like first of all with pre-contracts you're planning for next season brilliant if you can get them in in january but you've got to go on the assumption that you probably won't so you are really signing these with a view to next season i don't think geo is particularly keen on players who need managed adam I think yeah. that it's, it's something that um we saw with with Al McGregor. It was something that didn't really get pulled um, um, that didn't really get mentioned that much but when he initially arrived one of the things he said was no the goalkeeper needs to play every week and if he can't then he can't play and obviously Al McGregor can uh, as we've seen. So I I think that might apply to defenders as well. I don't think Gio wants to be changing his center backs game to game because they can't play. Two or three in a row. So that might explain why maybe Balogun would be going. I think Phil's been unlucky with injuries, but we still have to take into account that he he has missed a chunk of each season that he's been here, but he's still a very, very good player and and he's one you want in your team. I think they're both sensible bits of business. Uh, There will be, in this model, uh, going to have to accept that at the start on a model like this, there is a bit of a decrease in the quality as you, you know, hopefully sell on a player for X amount and bring in somebody younger to replace them, and that might happen there but I think both of them make sense I'm of the generation Adam that just likes us signing central defenders from Hearts yes. like. so I'm quite pleased about that I do think sutter has got a chance I really do and I think he could improve under better coaching but time will tell
1: and I guess as well you said like that's them moving into the model of Dwecky, in particular, you buy for 20, buy at age 23. I'm sure we'll come to this later on, but you buy at age 23, you get a four year deal. You, you sell him after two or three years maximum. Um, He goes and he can have a good career and you can start it all again. So, absolutely, when you buy younger, there will be a, a drop off in quality. I at the, the start, hope, the hope is that the upside comes quicker than, than others. Abs-
0: yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And you try and manage it so that it's not happening across. You know, seven positions at once. Yeah. But, you know, you, you're able to bring in people and let them grow, but um, th- there will be. A, you're not going to replace the guy who's leaving for 15, 20 million for 4 or 5 million. No. You're just not. So there's a reason one costs one and one costs the other. So there will be a slight drop-off at the start and it's about growing them. Richard McClucky, what's the next best, uh, big business thing, in your opinion, that needs addressed at RFC and why? I'll kick us off there, Adam. The ticket ticketing website badly needs upgraded it's complicated it's odd um everything's kind of there but you need to go through three wee doors and a maze to find it it needs simplified streamlined and made much more simple uh remove clicks golden rule for any website how easy and quick is it you should be able to do it in a couple of clicks and that's what it needs to move to yeah there was one i can't remember hibs
1: sticks in my head maybe it was the semi-final where I put a ticket in my basket, and then to go and get the other ticket that I needed on another season ticket, I had to go all the way back to the email and click the email, um, to go back through and get it added to the basket. There was no way to do that online, so I completely agree with you. I think the ticketing, um, I think my gels probably going to get hate in the comments, but broadly has been has been good. I think in terms of selfishly, um, I've had more tickets this year than I got a couple of years ago, just just by um the categories so i'm quite happy with it from from that side i think it is um it is a good move from on that sense for, for the kind of average fan um but yeah getting the actual process of of buying up to speed uh would be very much appreciated yeah
0: Jamie Gilchrist, did you send us an Adam? A topic me and my mates were discussing at the weekend, best and worst gran experiences at football grounds. I was in Prague and ordered a pint, and I was told if I added on a pretzel, the three pints would cost less than the cost of one pint. That's class. <laughs> so, um, Jamie, Jamie enjoyed that. Now, Adam, as a foodie, a genuine, honest-to-God foodie, tell him what I got you for Christmas.
1: Uh, you got me... What did you get me? I can't remember. You got me a... a... Rotisserie kebab, a kind of rotisserie kebab thing for inside the house, which is a very good gift for being inside. Because I've got a barbecue, but that's outside, yes. and I don't like to be outside. I much prefer to be inside, especially in this weather. So having something where I can cook meat on a spit indoors is is genius.
0: Um, best and worst crowd kind of experiences at football grounds. Um, you know that that that's a, a a toughie. A bad one is you know for. Official media partners of the club who pay thousands and thousands of pounds for our official media access, right? There's no bloody food at half time. I know that sounds like a moaning, folks, right? But we're not after a freebie here. We actually do pay to, to get into these games. And we can't even get a f- cup of tea at half time, Adam, which is a disgrace. No water either. Basic no human water. right. No water. Yeah. So th- mm. there is that. Uh, I, oh, there's been some some toppers when I have went to junior ground. Uh, one. Would be it was in Fallen Rangers, it was Fallen Co winning Rangers, my local junior team, burgers in inverted commas, and it was a uh, square slice with a bit of cheese on it for the cheeseburger. And you know, the processed cheese, which yeah. was an interesting combo, most certainly did not count as as a burger. The best probably I had was in, you were there with me, Bronby? when that's true it, yeah it was like the noodles and
1: uh you know, it was like it, a beef a beef a cold beef noodle salad very scandinavian we won't heat up yeah. for you we'll have all this fresh food but you're eating it cold
0: oh and um, i mean fruit and all the rest of it and stuff it was it was some set up there uh um, it's definitely the fan that's good. definitely the
1: fanciest i think i've had in terms of best um I was going to say I'm sure if I had a sausage or two or Germany, but I'll, I will ditch that that joke. <laughs> um, certainly, Hertha Berlin or Union Berlin, I'm sure I got a currywurst at the game, which um, would be one of my top five foods anyway. So I'm going to go for that. Here, I vaguely remember the the Murrayfield game that we played against Hearts. I'm sure yeah. they had the the nicer and uh, nicer um, takeaway stands outside the game. There, I'm pretty sure i got a decent burger there but yeah few and far between in this country i would say
0: i always enjoy the bridey at dunfermline it's a a, a nice bit of business the bridey there um they go quite quickly so you need to go before half you know you need to go at the start of the game or they're gone because you know our fans yeah. were, were like gannets man so you've got to you've got to get that then if you wait to half time you probably won't get one john smith asks what's the best and worst away day you've ever had domestic or european Oh, that's, I'll give you a moment to think about it. Best away day for me, Kilmarnock, 2011, when we won 54, was just wonderful. I was actually in the home end, so I don't know, does that count as technically away day when you're in the home end? But um remember saying to my mate, right, keep the heads if we score, we're in any territory, shut your mouth and we'll celebrate at half time. maybe or David. 30 seconds in, Big Kyle laps 21, you know, lifts it over the keeper, and the two years just because we were so tense, like, yeah, and then we kind of sat down, but then realised that 80% of the whole stand was doing the same, so that would probably be my best.
1: I was at Helicopter Sunday, so it's definitely between the two of of those. I was also on the home end for Kilmarnock, as you said, but Helicopter Sunday for me has to be... As to be best i've never seen rangers win away in europe so for that reason probably still would be helicopter sunday but i'm going to go with that
0: yeah worst it would be a lower division one i remember we went to play annan and we go down and annan's a perfectly nice wee stadium that park really there's no belt to hold a rangers away support so you get into the game and you walk in and, and we couldn't see we, we just couldn't see you know, So we walk a bit, couldn't see there, went behind the goals. You, could, you Genuinely, if you were behind the goals, you could see the goal, but you couldn't see the, the corner flags. Mm-hmm. So we had to eventually climb up on fences, and I'm sort of clinging to it like Spider-Man. And I'm looking about, and we're you know, having this complete clusterfuck of a performance against Ireland on a plastic pitch, and it's freezing. And then I see all these bears, bears streaming out, and I was like, where are you going? And they went, can I see it? game's on in the pub. And I was like, ah, what are we doing? You know, <laughs> is this, is this what, what life is now? And it, then it was. And it was just that realisation of where we were at that time. So I think that, you know, nothing against that, perfectly nice wee place, but oh, it was hellish.
1: I refused to entertain any banner um, banner years recommendations on these ones for myself. So I, I've been Bratislava away was an experience. Um... When I was what, nineteen twenty, the weather was horrendous, so that would put it as bad. Obviously the result was not great. Um went yeah. But yeah. you're away in Europe and I was nineteen or twenty, so I don't think I could really class that as a bad away day. Same with progress. The second one, thankfully, it was a nil nil, pretty rubbish game itself. Um, but again, it's a trip, so it's kinda um good overall. Can I say Hamden? I'm going to say League Cup final twenty nineteen. That is just laser into in my brain as has been um, the worst I've felt. You are so drunk, uh, so drunk and so fuming. So, um, I think I, I'm going to go with that. Uh, I, just remember, really I remember,
0: answer. yeah, we will share a, a moment between us. I remember you said something to me, and I said, Adam I'm, I'm not talking, to the folks. I don't drink." I said, "I'm not talking to you tonight. I'm just talking to the drink here. I'll talk to you tomorrow." And you sent me about 25 <laughs> increasingly angry messages. <laughs> Why won't you talk to me? <laughs> oh, I was furious. He, he was—he was a little. What's that line in Pulp Fiction? He was a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker. At that point, he was angry. Oh, it was yeah. That was, <laughs> was just drunk. one of
1: those one of those ones that just stung for weeks
0: and months after it. Um, yeah, straight into still a pandemic p- as well, which was good. Still does a bit, although thankfully we picked up a bit from there. Yes. Yes, we have been pretty good since um, Watson Bell After comments in the press over the weekend About the three international call-ups rule Why exactly are Reschedule FC The finest attacking team ever Apparently scared of playing us um, Can I just chuck this This theory out there Adam And and I'll put it out there for you to, to To throw into your mental microwave And see if it pops They know That if they lose that game That's it this year Pretty much They know The Rangers will just do what we did last year And romp over the hill And that's why It's just this over Fear about absolutely Everything going into it Because for us it's as always An old fun game it's must not lose For them it's must win and cannot lose And I think that that is why they are So oh my god we need to have All our players and we need to have everybody That's ever attended the game at Parkhead needs to be there I think that's kind of fueling A lot of this
1: yeah, it's funny. You've seen that in the in the press as well. It was all oh, Celtic haven't got these players and they're all injured and not a peep about the fact that two weeks ago Rangers had Davis Jack roof Hellander, Balligan, all injured and we're, we're just getting on with it. Um, yeah, their injuries I, seem to be... Maybe because we do it. Maybe because we go, well, we still need to play. I just forget. As soon as somebody's injured, I just forget all about them. As I even I thought... It's like compartmentalisation. Just as I thought in my head, they're just gone until they're ready to come back. So I, I'm quite bad for that without actually realising, oh, that person's injured and that person's injured. I just forget about them until they come back, basically. Um, but yeah, I think I think you've, you're, you're spot on. Um, it's they need to win that game. Um they have been doing well. Um, I think you could say. The I think it was a start, I don't know what podcast I shared it on, but say the last ten or, or twelve games, they've only won one of them by more than one goal. So um depending on whether you're positive or negative, they're they're grinding out. Or it's the it's the marker champions. Um I don't think it's the latter personally. So they were struggling towards the end there. And um we'll see when things come back. Even with they are signings, and even with a couple of players back, I wouldn't exactly be running scared to, to be honest. So nah. I would be happy to play them whenever.
0: That's probably the fundamental difference, isn't it? That? that we'd be right whenever, you know, just, just turn up, we'll play you because we'll beat you. Um, next one from Brett He says Do you think that we might need to get used to Managerial cycles the way we need to With players like Gerard? If we have a manager that does well for two, three, four years Will we need to come to terms with it They may also be in a shop window
1: Yes, that's a really good one actually We don't have We don't have that Experience really Or, or that thought Because The only two that have really done it Are Souness and Gerard and it's mm-hmm. kind of been a he's left us type situation which is absolutely fine but when you look at it in the broader context it's moving on to um what they perceive to be better opportunities and how that works out remains to be seen but absolutely I think like players and we'll come on to this again in a, in a little bit i think three years is quite nice four years maybe if a manager is really intent on you know that not necessarily building a dynasty, but proving you can do it again, that thing that Alex Ferguson did, what, four times at Man, Man United? Right, um, yeah. Proving you can do it again and you can rip a team up and, and start again, or even better, change a team without anybody actually realising until 18 months down the line and you're like, oh, there's seven players are different and they're still winning, so Klopp's doing that. Um, Guardiola probably is getting to the point mm-hmm. where he thinks he needs to be, be doing that. Um, I think three or four years, you look at contracts... Again, we'll probably discuss those as well. Player contracts are, are four years, really. Um, After about two and a half years, you start to negotiate. But by that point, it's either we really like this player, we want to keep him, we're going to give him 10, 15, 20 grand a week more um, and he might stay or else we really need to sell this player or else the player wants to go. I don't see why it's any different for, for managers. We just think of that as a more long-term role. But that's where sporting directors come in now. They're the long-term vision of of the role the manager is in essence a hired help i know we don't like that but a hired help who'll come in for three or four years maintain something build something but it's very unlikely that we're going to see a manager being eight to ten years ever again i think um you'd hope for the positive reasons as in they take you from somewhere and they get you to a place and they have lots of great success and then they move on to something else rather than it being He's come in and hasn't really worked out and we're going to have to find someone else and rip it up and start again. So that's probably the two options, but you'd hope it would always be the former.
0: Yes, it's, it's exactly as Adam puts it there. we It's difficult for us because we're a club with 17 permanent managers in 150 years. And I'm proud of that. We all are. It's, it's a wonderful start. We're not a club that easily wants to change a manager. And something like the Pedro thing where somebody comes in and you know six months later they're gone That's absolutely not us. We hate that shit. But in modern football, unfortunately, and because of the league that we're in and the league that we're next to, I think you are into pretty much, there will be exceptions. You might get a a dyed-in-the-wool Rangers man. You might get somebody who just absolutely adores his life in the city. But you're going to have a situation where if they do badly, they get sacked. If they do well, other clubs with huge budgets, look at them. And... If you're going to go for the type of managers that we have gone for the last two appointments, young, dynamic, big names, these are attractive people to clubs in bigger leagues with more money. It's a pain in the hole, but it is just here. There is also the thing about maybe modern footballs in general, this is a bigger discussion point that doesn't just apply to Rangers. After two, three years, they stop listening to managers because it is becoming rarer and rarer. And maybe you do need that fresh impetus and probably something that backs up what we are saying is, look at the difference between the way the Gerard team was playing and the way the, the Van Bronckhorst team is playing. Same team, same players. So the only thing that's changed was the message. And I think that sometimes it does need that freshening up. Uh, Big William Style says, do you think the sale of Patterson might improve the chances of getting new deals agreed for the likes of Arebo Kent and Morelos? The situation with Goldson hasn't been ideal this season. I would not want to go into next season with several high quality assets running their contract down. I don't think we will be. I think that they will either resign or go in the summer. Um, exactly for the reason that you said. I don't think Rangers want to have this hanging over them. But this is kind of the problem with giving players these deals and Rangers were in a unique situation where, at the start of last season, uh, when uh, and the start of this season, when these guys had two years in their deal, the idea of getting rid of them there was no chance because we have been success starved. You can maybe be a wee bit more um, unsentimental, Adam, or or a wee bit more. No, no, you know he can go, and we'll buy somebody else when there's lots of trophies on the sideboard, but because of the decade we'd had, it was, no, keep them, we need to win stuff first and then worry about it. But that won't be sustainable. You can't keep signing good players and, and letting their value decrease to, to zero. That's that's not the model that, that Rangers have repeatedly told us they want to do.
1: Yeah, and I think you're right. I think, in essence, again, it comes back to that that three-years point that, that Brett mentioned. We've, we've missed a cycle um, in that, uh, ideally for... Aribo, Kent, Morelos, last summer was the ideal time to sell those players. I don't mean, as in Rangers, I mean, those players were under 25. They had two years left on their deal. They're at their peak value for clubs who want to come in and get them. If you're 24, a club's going to come and give you a four-year deal on lots of money. They will then try and sell you on when you hit 28, 29, because they're in, you're, in their, you're in the perceived peak, um, or you're, you're coming into the peak, or coming out of the peak, I should say so for us now that they are 25 there's a whole host of analysis that that says that their their values will start to decrease and that is because clubs won't want to pick them up on four-year deals and then they'll be 30 by the time they're they're finishing um that deal so we've missed a cycle in that sense we should have sold players like that last summer but like you said success starved we want to keep them for a tilt of the champions league we want to have one more one more goal this season or whatever so we've missed a cycle there so i think expecting that Aribo will go one summer for £30 and then Kent will go the next summer and he'll sign a contract and do this and do that. I'm not sure it's going to happen. Um, I think we might see one or two of these players possibly sit tight. Um, I know we don't want to hear that, but possibly sit tight uh, and go because we haven't sold them at the point that it was the maximum of their value. Um, We haven't had bids as well, you could say, but um, given we were trying to hold them together, as you said, there's probably been bids that might have come in that we might have been able to bargain up the way if we'd showed that we were interested in selling so um, I guess that's a bit a catch-22 we'll never know but for me um, I would hope that they get new deals but at the same time I would also hope that we get the money that we deserve for those players and that cycle starts again that we mentioned where's the next Arebo, Kent and Morelos coming mm. in at 21-22 um, if we can get those players I don't think any player is indispensable um, at the minute um, obviously Tavernier, because Patterson isn't here. I guess you could say he, he is indispensable. But again, we can go we go out and buy someone. They'll come in uh, and learn the trade. I think that's absolutely fine. Tavernier is probably at the age where it is starting to get to the point where you're better kind of just keeping them um and and getting what you what getting what you can from them for the next couple of years. Um, but age comes into these things a whole lot, David, uh, and it's probably one of the single most important. Best with with age, there's all that analysis that when you hit thirty, you start to started to decrease. You've seen Arsenal, famously, was that 10, 15 years ago? It would only be a one-year deal they would give over over 30. I think quite a few clubs do it now. Um, I'm not really as, as strict as that, I think. Um, if you think about it, Davis, McGregor, Arfield all coming in over 30. There are people out there who wouldn't, who wouldn't have bought those players because they were 31, 32, 33, so now we can get someone younger. I think it needs to be a case-by-case basis. If someone comes in, as those have done, and and they improve the team they give you that the intangibles off the park as well but they improve the team and they're better than what you've got there i'd be all for bringing them in we can't have a team full of 21 22 23 year olds. it's just not the way things work when you have to win every game so there's a balance to everything there that's a wee bit of a long-winded answer to say no it probably won't i think each of those three players situations will probably see them either sold or or continue
0: I think because, of, as I say, the, the kind of unique circumstances we've been in, even in our own club's history um, over the last wee while, that the, there have been these sort of exceptions and anomalies. And, and that is one of them, because under normal circumstances, you're bang on, two years to go, you sign a new deal, note right, okay, Bovsky, we need to get as much money in for you as we can. Um, I don't think it'll happen in these clumps again in the future. But it, but it is a concern, because, you know, these guys are, as you say, Getting to stages where oh, hmm, you know it's a worry because they could sit tight for a year. Not, you know you can't force somebody to go. Uh, there's various methods in football that we have all heard of the bomb squad and things like that. But even so, um, it can be quite counterproductive. So yeah, it, it, it's a worry. It's not a situation I want or expect to see repeated in the future. But um, you know, player power is such as well that when they do get to this stage of the contract, they kind of hold all the aces. Really, because the decision then if the club wants to keep them obviously if not then a completely different thing but uh, yeah we'll need to to sit back and, and see what happens with that but I, I wouldn't want to be in a position Adam in three years time where we've got four or five players running out of contract I get why it's happened this time but I don't want it happening again
1: no, I think we need to like we said the, the cycle needs to start now and <coughs> any players that we're bringing in now if we're bringing them in in four year deals it needs to be with the intention of we're going to keep these players for two years, sell them at the maximum, or we're going to try and get them on a longer contract. Or they're going to sign another two
0: years. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I totally agree. Um, Stephen Johnson asks, who do you think will be our goalkeepers next season? McGregor and McLaughlin, both out of contract, and McCrory still largely untested. Um, I think McLaughlin will still be here next season. McGregor, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, and his body holds up, then I don't think they'll probably look at, at him or Davis until way towards the end of the season, and I think that both players know that and are cool about it um, because of age and, and circumstances. But that, as Adam mentioned, in the last answer that's pretty standard in football for a player of that age. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't rule out the possibility that both are still here this uh, next season. McCrory's an interesting one, you know. He's his career has has you know a lot of promise and a lot of people rate him very highly he went up oh, out and loan to Livingston and did okay without I think really you know you turning many heads but that happens at that that age. He came in for those two huge matches and I thought did very very well in both of them. Um, so if we are going to sign someday, he needs to be better than the two because I think at least two of that three will remain. Um, he needs to be better than them. If not, why you bother signing them? Um, and that's why some of the names mentioned. I know that, for instance, Xander Clark was was linked in like you know really good SPFL goalie. He's not a Rangers goalie. Sorry, you know I know he's a big Rangers fan. Good guy. Wish him all the best, but not Rangers goalie. Um, and that's my that's my only thing, Adam. If you're signing a keeper, just make sure he's better than what you've got. If you can't get better than what you what you've got, or you won't pay for better than what you've got, there's no point.
1: Yeah, I think. I think McGregor might go this year. Um, I'm not really sure why. I think he might just, especially um, if we win the league and things again, <clears throat> I think that might just be time. I know we've got the Champions League hopefully coming up as well, but <clears throat> for me, I think he probably might just think the time is right this summer. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm in a minority or not, but I would be absolutely fine with John McLaughlin as, as the goalkeeper for a couple of years. I think he's proved he's literally not put a foot wrong. I can't think of an actual single mistake or even misplaced past from memory that, that he's done, he's, he's just not Alan McGregor, which isn't a bad thing Just the, the fact that we can just pick up the phone and go out and get 25 year old Alan McGregor, regen um, I think we're living in, in fantasy land. I think McLaughlin's fine, McCrory t- to be the second choice, I'm absolutely okay with that as well, I don't have an issue he was really good, the two games that he played I know it's a small, small sample size but next year if it was McG- McGregor and yeah, McLaughlin and McCrory fine. The, the rumours are Seagreast. Uh, doesn't really do anything for me. Uh, he would get in the way of um, McCrory's development or McCrory getting any minutes, etc. And I, I would prefer to have McLaughlin given he's been here for two years and he's used to it and he probably deserves deserves a year or two um, as the number one. So even if McGregor goes, I'm not sure it's a hugely priority position for me.
0: Yeah, like I say, if if there is an Alan McGregor regen kicking about in a league somewhere for £2 million, brilliant absolutely <laughs> eh? that tends not to be uh, again it, it's part of this thing with us that because we've got this line of you know woods Gorham, Closs, mcgregor that's unsustainably ludicrous god even teams in england with millions and millions of pounds can't boast that um it it's incredible really when you think about it. But it does put pressure on whoever comes in. And you know, McLaughlin I think has the temperament to be a Rangers goalkeeper. I think he yeah you know, as I say, if we can get better, brilliant, but if not, I wouldn't be chasing him out the door, no. Um definitely. Um Gordon Robertson, what do you think of such events as the weekend of legends? A crowd of us are going to hospitality. Could you perhaps organise a heart and hand event on the day, Gordon Robertson? What not on the day um because it would clash and you know i wouldn't want people to have to make choices between coming to see us or going to you know whatever event rangers are running but we'll certainly do something to to celebrate the 150th adam i quite like the weekend of legends i think the game looks looks pretty cool yeah definitely um i i
1: think it does look great Uh, i think these events are are brilliant the more of them the more of them the better
0: absolutely tommy says what's your top three non-rangers podcasts there are other podcasts yeah, I don't really know what that means. No, I'm joking. Um,
1: top three, no surprises for me. The Athletic Football Tactics podcast um, uh, is really good. Michael Cox, ex of the Guardian, uh, is on friend that. Of, friend of the show. Friend of the show, yes. Um, every week uh, they do a kind of tactical breakdown of one of the Premier League teams or some sort of trend, etc., which is is really good. Um, <clears throat> twenty-two Grand Pods. I don't know if we've spoken about this one, David, but it's um, you know, obviously that Rakes song from. I was going to say years ago. indie
0: music, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's based. That's basically what it is. Um, it's a kind of look back. It is the guys from the Rakes that, um, that host it. Um, and they look back at two thousand and one, two thousand and eight, which is kind of me just growing up really, from sixteen to twenty-five or whatever. And they get people on. They've had Hot Hot Heat on, uh, the Cribs. Oh, that's um, that very. Various- Various other ones, um, Claxons, NME editor was on a couple of months ago from, from kind of twenty years ago as well. So, um, I don't listen to it all the time, but I always have a, have a good um listen to it as well. It's the it's not the the reeks. Sorry, I was getting confused with the song. there it's the guys for the Paddingtons that that do it. Um, and uh, it is quite a good listen. Um, other one I will go for is probably Tifo. It's more of a kind of YouTube slash um podcasting, but they again look at little bits and pieces from um European football, mostly the Premier League, and it's available on podcasting that's that's quite good as well. Uh just a bit more of a kind of lighter hearted take on like the Barcelona situation or or what's going on at various other clubs and they do a sensible transfers um section as well, which is is really good. So they're probably my three that I listened to just now, but it does change a lot.
0: Mine's are non football and to put it in context, folks, I'll do three or four shows every day um about football. I will um you know sit and talk about football pretty much all day with the people from Barton Hand and the listeners and stuff. So at the end of the day, I'm kinda of footballed out. Um and I'll go for yeah, history podcast generally. Um World War Two. I'm a man in my mid forties. Of course, it's World War II. Uh There's a good one with uh, James Holland and uh, Pablo Lord Guy. What's his name? Oh, you know the guy I mean, don't you? Al, Al Murray. Al, Al Murray. Um, there's a World War Two podcast. It's very good. There's a series by a guy called Ian Dale on the Prime Ministers of the UK. And uh, he also does one on the um of the UK. But I'm such a presidential geek. I'm like, I know more about this than the experts that you get on do (laughs) So that one can... I I sat and listened to it just to go, no, that's wrong. No, 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 he didn't do that. No, no, sorry. No, but um, that one. And then there's uh, one from Slate, uh, a series called Slow Burn that does various kind of US scandals. That's worth a listen as well. Uh, Ewan Third, he says, with a squad overhaul looking lightly in the summer and we could lose goalkeepers, defenders, Davis and some other sales, should fans be prepared for a transitional season next season? Yeah, you know, realistically, maybe, but we're Rangers, so let's just be honest about it. Whether they should be, they won't be in the story. I think.
1: Yeah, no I- point of um, if we do it sensibly, you could hopefully not notice it. I know we've said there are you can McGregor possibly um, two, three centre halves, a few others, Davis, uh, Arfield, um, Defoe. Morelos, Saribo, Kent, (laughs) Camara, there are possibilities around them all. In real terms, they're probably not all going to leave. You would hope they don't all leave. Um, And it all comes down to recruitment. We've still got players there that can absolutely win his games on on their own, Um, supplement those with some decent quality um, at that kind of 22 to 23 age. Uh, And I don't think, not that we would accept it anyway in terms of our transition, but I don't think it's, it's something that we would really need to be concerned about.
0: It's not a word that will be applied at angels. Might be the case, you might see it afterwards, but during it, nah, not danger. Um, Scott Watson, in three to five years, you expect the Partison sale to have the start of a well-oiled treadmill of talent developing, getting involved in the first-team squad and becoming sellable assets, whether or not they've actually been sold in that time frame, and with no expectation they would be at the same fee, or is it a bit of a one-off? Partison didn't go out on loan at all while he was with us. Is there a lesson to be learned from that, or was he just such an exceptional talent um, that there's no transferable lessons to be learned from his case? That's a great point, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> you know, ideally it's, it's a great model, but we, we said for a while that Nathan Partson is one of these generational talents that comes through. I mean, the last one really was Barry Ferguson, uh, to be honest. And again, you know, Barry Ferguson was a guy that Dick Advocat saw videos of at age 18 and went, now he's been straight on my first team next season. That doesn't happen very often as an exceptional player that, that does it. I think that if players are going to get, I think there's an age where loans stop having a use. Yeah, I, I don't really like guys at you know 22 being sent out and loaned for development. It's like, come on, right. Uh, uh, by that stage, he should be in the first team squad or they should be off Um So I think that it's horses for courses with each individual. But I suppose the, the other side of that, Adam, is that are you really going to get sixteen million bids or around that or you know whatever it, as he says it might be for lower for guys that I mean Nathan Parson made four starts this season. It's it's incredible really when you look at the actual they are buying his talent. They're not buying a demonstrable track record yet.
1: Yeah, they absolutely are and I think we need to also bear in mind that rollbacks are very, very, very fashionable just now. Um and Scottish fullbacks are very, very, very fashionable just now. So I think there's a little bit of both there. We also never really take into account the impact of Brexit in these things. England, English clubs, you've seen Hibs uh, a couple of hours doing partnerships, etc, with clubs down south. This is so that they can get British players in. So Partison would have been ticking a lot of boxes forever on top of how good he is. Um, a player like that coming through an academy in England, you're probably talking about £30 million before you even need to talk, um, before they even come to the table. So the fact that they can get him for 12 million going up to, to 16, uh, potentially more we sell on is, is great. So that's a good benefit for us that we can have that, that supply chain. But in terms of that development thing, I think there's three three tiers of player, probably four now. So you've got the the B team um, and then you've probably got players who we think can play a little bit further up the ladder in terms of championship, et cetera. And then we've got players that are probably better than, than that, but we're kind of starting to look to put into the shop window, maybe like McClory uh, and Middleton and etc, that we want to get to clubs in, in the SPFL. They might come back if they're young enough, they might come back and have an impact in Rangers, but generally I think that's putting those players out with a with a view to hopefully selling them them on. Um, and then the fourth category, which Patterson undoubtedly was in, was you don't have to go on loan because you're good enough to play for Rangers from pretty much the first appearance that, that you had two years ago. Um, it, it's, I think it's as simple as that. There will obviously be people that might fall into a couple of those categories and we might decide that someone's better served going out on loan. But as we've seen with Patterson, I don't think there's going to be a bigger blocker in someone's way for a youth player coming through than Tavernier was. But he gets his chance. He shows what he can do, and when he does come into the team in those rare moments that he's injured, he doesn't necess- he doesn't let himself down, and he forces his way in by by any means necessary. I think it's the determination that's got him there, as as well as the talent. So I think that's definitely going to be a, a shot in the arm for the academy. Whether we can do that every every three every year or so, um, I, I'm not really sure. The demands of being a Rangers player, I think, are are great. Um. If we got a Patterson three every five years, I think we would be doing fantastic, personally. Um, I'm not expecting us to see a flood of players suddenly start to appear in the Rangers first team, personally. Um, I don't have those expectations of the academy. I'm not sure if if we should have, but but certainly in terms of developing talent, I think we've got a decent, a decent setup there, and if we follow those tiers, and who knows, even get the B team a little bit further up the league, a little bit further up the pyramid and, and start to do that ourselves, then I think um, I think we should start to see a bit more of an uptick, and we should at least start to see some more squad players coming in. Um, but someone like Parson who arrives pretty much ready made, I think if we got one of those every five years, um, it would be great. But as you said, it was twenty five years between Listen um, mm-hmm. and, and Parson.
0: Yeah, it, it, some guys come along. You know, Gilmer was another one, and we understand what happened there. But yeah, they they don't. Growing trees, unfortunately. Um, if they would, I'd be out planting several sycamores. But uh, we'll, you know, hopefully produce good players. That some will go into the side, and, and some will go for for big money. Um, on that, Jordan says, uh, this is probably a question that will only be answered behind sight. But who do you think will be the next youth academy pro uh, to really break through into the first team? I suspect either King or Lowry. I think it looks like it looks
1: like King, doesn't King, it? Yeah, it does only yeah. with the the. Message from Ross that he'll be training with the first team. I'm not sure if it was exclusively or not, but certainly he'll be there. And obviously, we've just spoken about the defence there. There could be a gap opening up that, um, if someone takes their chance, they could absolutely fill it in the way that Bassey and um, Parson have done. So I think it would be King. Lowry, correct me if I'm wrong. Anyone in the in the comments or maybe James and Ross. I'm not sure Lowry is. Um, getting a regular game at youth level, it might be he was away in the internationals or he might have been injured, he's certainly got lots and lots of talent but I think he's maybe just a little bit too too young and and maybe too technical if that makes sense, he would have to wait a couple of years to really kind of build himself up in the same way that, that Stephen Kelly has but who knows, players can develop at different rates um, depending on a huge multitude of factors but he certainly seems to get Quite a bit of hype, but if I was betting on anyone coming through, I would say it would be King.
0: Gazmax says, uh, "I've heard a number of Rangers fans comment on Geo being an upgrade to Gerard. What's your opinion? I personally think Gio is a more complete manager. However, he is more managerial experience than Gerard, so that's not to say Gerard will get to his level. Uh, yeah, well, look, that's you know, the, it, there's a lot of kind of heart and emotion uh, around about Gerard's departure." And then the fact that Giovanni has started the way he has, which is just you know, honestly better than we could have asked. We're Rangers fans. We know our our expectations are ludicrous at the best of times, and yet he beat them. So I can understand why people are, are saying that. You can be an upgrade for a situation without it being a comment on the individual manager. And by that, what I mean is was Giovanni van Bronckhorst the better manager for us right now where we are? And he, he could well be in the same way that would he have been a better manager for Aston Villa than Steven Gerrard does. That would be debatable as well. And I think that it's it's about where the club was. It's about the attitude of the manager. It's about, you know, have the players, as as we say, maybe kind of clocked off a bit. And You know, Gerrard was struggling to get them back to the, Back to the start line. You know, he, he was struggling to get them up to that level. And we've seen that that increase straight away. So I, I think it's a tough one to answer. It could just be a situation, Adam, that happens occasionally in football where maybe these were the right decisions for everybody.
1: Yeah, it's, it's looking that way. I, I completely agree with your point. If Gerard, as he is just now, joined Rangers two months ago, um, he may be doing the same things that Van Bronckhorst is. there was an evolution and for me that was the beauty of the three three years under was it was an evolution to a point, it wasn't a you're coming into a really good base and you win the league after three years, Van Bronckhorst is coming into the best situation I can remember for a Rangers manager and advocate Um, in in terms of the quality of players that are at his disposal um, the Transition across the city, the carrot at the end uh, in terms of Champions League, etc. So he's coming into very, very agreeable circumstances. Guess you could flip it around and say, would Van Bronckhorst have taken the job when Gerard did? No, no, so, he wouldn't. So Gerard got us to the point that Van Bronckhorst is reaping the reaping the rewards, if you want to use that. But I think you're you're right situation wise where we are right now. If you look at them both as they were, things are things are going well. Um, but. There's a whole heap of context there that I think is, that is that is missing. Um, whether Gerard goes on to have more success, uh, I'm not really sure. Um, he will be Premier League focused, so um, our minds will always stray there. Uh, Van Bronckhorst might go there as well. It's it's really difficult to say who is a better manager than than anyone for me because the circumstances are. Are so different. I would say what Gerard did winning the last title would be more impressive than what Van Brockhorst would do winning this title. I guess if we're going to, um, if we're going to try and bring it back to a little bit of context, but that's just me personally.
0: But then, you might improve in the cups. Exactly. So, you yep. know, it, 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 so there are different things for for different people. Um, Stephen Brockett, when's H- Hoggy, and Cami coming back uh, soon. Actually, um, Cami very soon, and uh, Ian is moving towards it. There's, stuff in their, their own lives that take precedence um, after what they went through so it, it was always you know something that that we had in mind I don't believe in shooting your wounded uh, and yeah keep your eyes peeled basically or your ears peeled Technically, I suppose, would be the thing. So um, we wish the boys all the best and uh, we're looking forward to having them back on the airwaves. Graham Roy, we seem to be moving forward on and off the pitch now and thankfully off the front pages for the wrong reasons. However, do you think that we need to try and tackle the perception of Rangers and our fans better? I get there are some people in organisations that will never change. However, should we and could we do better to help change or educate others? That's a tough one, Graham, because what it, the, the question presupposes that there are people out there who are neutral and who have their mind to change. And I've always felt that within Scotland, I used to think that, I used to think there was this great, if we could only get to this great sort of group of people who were neutral and see what the unfair press we were getting and see who we really were. And then we would change the perception. And I realised over the years that it isn't the case, that in Scotland in particular, and that's the site we're talking about, because our perception out with Scotland is radically different to the way it is inside Scotland, and that's not coincidence. It's because when people don't look through it through certain filters, they can see. But the problem you have in Scotland is you've got people who love rangers, you've got people who hate rangers, and you've got people who don't care. That's the issue with it. Now, given the situation in Scotland where the, the way that politics is set up in the country, the way that, that, you know, if you like, civic society is set up, then Rangers fans provide a purpose to people to push their own agendas. And that's why they are not going to change. It doesn't matter what evidence you give them. Um, there's nothing in it for them to change. And they're not doing it because they genuinely feel that way. In some cases, it's because they absolutely hate us and they're bigots. But in other cases, it's because it's a productive area for them to achieve their goals and that's to use us in the way that they use us as this negative horrible force that you can blame things on so yes you can try and and correct it but when minds are made up you're talking at a wall and in scotland that's the way it is and i don't see it changing um for me it's a case of yeah you you absolutely you know keep challenging lies and you keep challenging untruth and you keep exposing the hypocrisy but you know, when, when we have these massive Twitter arguments and social media debates and the newspapers turn around, does anybody's opinion ever change, really? I would say no, Adam.
1: Even when it's pretty irrefutable evidence, people say, I but. Look at the and stuff, for example. Yeah. Fabrizio Romano coming out and saying, no, oh, it's this, no, it's no. No, you're making that up, sorry. That, that's a lie, it can't be that. Um, people want to believe stuff. When uh, his agent said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, How would
0: you know? <laughs> I'd negotiated a flooding deal.
1: People, we always talk about this, it's, it's no longer, you don't have to be right now, you just have to say something and and it has a it has an impact and people want to believe something and I'm sure there are people out there that want to believe things so much that they've convinced themselves that they're the truth. I don't think you, you change or educate those people, I don't think they, they really want to. Um, I, I don't think we should be wanting to either. Personally, there will be people that will never agree with us and I don't really have a problem with that. That's okay. What we should do, as you said, is... Um, continue to highlight the hypocrisy, and I think we do a very good job of that Um, on on Twitter, etc. We we do that a lot, highlighting that hypocrisy, and every so often it does seem to catch a bit of interest from down, to, down south, etc., which, which shows kind of how strange things are up here. But in terms of olive of branches, etc., I don't think anybody really wants that,
0: if I'm honest. No, and I mean, one of the reasons I started Heartland and it's got us in trouble a few times is never be on our knees to people that hate us. You know, that's that's not something that we do here. We don't do, you know, we can make a lot of money if we did the Arsenal fan TV show, um and, you know, come laugh at our pain, but it's just, it's not who we are. So I'm the same, you know, it's like, if anyone has an open mind and wants to have a chat, brilliant, uh, uh, Rangers fans are up for that. If they're just people with their own prejudices and they decide they don't like us and that they'll judge a whole group of people from a cross-section of society based on the team they go and watch on a Saturday then, yeah, to hell with them and uh, they'll be treated with the contempt they deserve, frankly Um, Andy McKellar, if Gio's given funds this January, Adam, what area of the team do you think is the biggest priority to strengthen? For about the 10th transfer window in a row, I'm going to say can I please have a
1: number 8? Thanks Um, box-to-box midfielder can score goals uh, and create plays would be key. Uh, preferably someone that can also shoot from outside the box. Basically, can I have George Alberts back? It's been twenty years and I yeah.
0: Could, could could we have George Alberts back? Could could we DNA clone him or something? <laughs> we really should.
1: I think I think we really have to at this point. Yes, Scott, Arf- Scott Arfield. That's the reason I'm I'm quite big on Scott Arfield. He's he does he does well, but last year we got three or four months out of him. This year three or four games I think before he started to dip a little bit. That's not to say he won't come back into it um in twenty twenty two, but he was pretty good for, for that kinda of, couple of games under Van Bronck course, and then maybe faded a little bit.
0: We can't is know, it that. is it perhaps a guide then that the fact that straight away he went into the team under Geo. So maybe, you know, Geo wants someone who can do that if Scott hopefully, can't do it for the full season.
1: Hopefully that would be my target. I know that we we need goals and we, we, we don't we don't not score goals, if that makes sense, but we, we could score a lot more. Um, And I think most people are, are thinking if we can get someone in to play that wide right position that will be able to bag 15, 20 goals a season, then great. Uh, I would counter that by saying whether he's fit or not, Kamaru will score 15 or 20 goals a season anyway. Therefore, that is a little bit of a, a moot point, Um, but I do take it overall. But having someone who can link play like that from from deep in Eribo is, is doing very well at that just now in terms of being that kind of number eight at some stages and moving to be a number 10, but I do think we need another one there that we can that we can rely on. If you have that, then opportunities are happening further up the park and those players such as Morelos and Kent and Arribo will be receiving the ball in better positions because they've got someone that is going to carry it up to them. So um, I think that is, that is a gap for us. Um, we have had a few players come in that we thought could do the job there, but we haven't actually had anyone come in that don't think are we still at the stage where we've not spent I've lost track where we've not spent money on a central midfielder outside of Glen Camara, um, there might be someone obvious that, that I'm missing but we, we need a bit, of, a bit of cash in there and like I said someone coming in who's 22 24 who uh, is named Joey Vierman before he moves. Yeah down. I was
0: going to say yeah before he moved to PSV oh. I had him heartbroken uh, along with several of my friends Um, so basically what you're accusing there is uh, a cow's logic I heard you drop yeah. that in there Yes. A,
1: it's
0: a, it's a moot point, yeah. It's a moot point. Uh, there's a 90s reference for everyone. Um, yeah, right winger for me, please. Thank you. That'd be nice. An actual, not a wide forward, not a, a, a right winger, please. Thank you. That'd be great if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. Um, right, we'll finish up then. Uh, last one. I'm sorry if we didn't get to your question. Um hope you've been entertained nonetheless. But, um, <laughs> you know, we, we, time is, is uh, you know, catches up with us all, doesn't it? Um, uh, Douglas McIntosh says Celtic uh, shatter and kicked the old form game down the road however they've been able to do that thanks to complying compliant SPFL and SFA not to mention a lapdog press what has to happen at, about to bring real change in the game can it actually be done where the people running things do so for the good of the game not for the benefit of one team uh <sighs> hadn't happened in my lifetime um really uh I think that it's not so much for one team it as now, but, you know, it wasn't for years, but it was always, there's always vested interests. There's always, you know, because you're drawing people from clubs, uh, that was the whole idea of having someone like Doncaster, who's supposed to be a neutral chief executive, who doesn't have a dog in the fight. But of course, we know what's happened there um, because of the way that uh, the the politics of the situation has developed. I'd love to see it, Adam, but I think we might be kind of utopian in, in that belief.
1: Yeah, no I can't see it there's obviously lots of um restructures etc that we could do again from memory did we we had a couple of restructure pods did we not in the past we did <clears throat> yeah I think Stephen harrigan might have been involved in them there's there's all sorts of things that could be done but I think ultimately with these things and it's the same as the, the point before people need to want it to happen um there's a lot of self-interest um out there um Rangers we only not end interested in Rangers ourselves and how is this going to benefit Rangers putting this type of um, real change, what has to happen to bring about real change in the game, lots and lots and lots of money has to happen I think is is the option if someone comes and says we're going to give you £300 million uh, a season but you need to play a game in the moon I guarantee you Scottish clubs would would be doing it, that's the only way that things are going to change and we're going to get things structured and we're going to get proper leadership and um, into scotland and in my opinion right now bowling club mentality rules Mm. we're looking out for everyone's looking out for themselves there may be a couple of clubs that can band together etc but someone coming in with money but it's a Sky deal or something like that to say let's do this let's restructure let's go to an 18 team league here's the benefits of it it's going to be a loss to do for a bit but we reckon we can grow it to this level based on this based on that here's money for academy all that sort of stuff that's the only way there's actually going to be tangible stuff everything else is just window dressing I think From yeah.
0: you, you see what happens you're hugely successful sports promoter Barry Hearn comes up to Scotland with loads of good ideas and they send them packing because they've threatened their comfy wee ruck in you know, advance, yeah. so there's a decision straight away. And equally, you know, just to to show that we can at least try and step back and, and look at it honestly. Uh, look at the the reaction from us as a support about the winter shutdown being moved. It was ten to two. You know, the the clubs voted, yeah. and and Rangers fans were still upset and saying, you know, oh conspiracy and whatnot. I mean, part of that is because of what's happened in the past, but it was ten to two. You know, that I don't think in any organisation if there was a vote um, between a twelve person organization and it was 10-2 that anybody would say that it's a shock that that's what happened. Now you can say about the reasons for it you know I note a lot of players are going out on loan from Celtic but even so that's kind of the situation because we obviously wanted what was best for us. and all the other clubs are exactly the same. They they want what they perceive to be. Now, we might like, you know we might know that what they perceive to be best for them probably isn't. Um, they never seem to learn the lessons of getting into bed with one particular club. It, it rarely ends well for them. But even so, uh, that's what you're going to get, and that's why you need you know in an ideal world a kind of strong neutral organisation who do genuinely just say no. We're we're doing what we perceive to be the best, but. As I say, I've never seen one, so I don't know if we'll we'll get one along. Right. Thank you to everyone who sent in a question. I'm really sorry if we didn't get to yours, but I would just like to say thank you to everyone uh, whose question we did do, because it were a very, very high standard. Adam, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Thank you for joining me.
1: Yeah, very much so. It was really good. Thank you very much.
0: It's been a pleasure, folks. Uh, we'll be back next week when, of course, we'll be looking ahead to the Aberdeen match as uh, Rangers return. And hopefully we get our heads down and go all the way to the title. If you want to join us on Heartland, you would have been able to participate in this and you know what to do. Go to heartland.co.uk for all the information on how to sign up. And if you want to just cut out that, if you're confident you can negotiate it, just go to patreon.com forward slash heartland and sign up for just one ninety nine per month. Month, not week, Month. Uh, you'll be able to get up to 30 hours of shows every single week. Trust me, we cover all things Rangers. As Adam said there, oh, I think we did a show on that. I think we did a show on that. We did. Right. There's a show on everything in there. You name it, we've got it. We've even got an interview we throw in coaches, for crying out loud. Right. You know, go and have a look. It's the best money you'll spend this miserable January. Thanks to our executive producer in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. I'll talk to you again this time next week, everyone. Stay safe. Bye-bye. <music>